The Scoop Podcast is brought to you by SCN Coalition. You may know SCN is lurking in your fields, but do you know how much it's costing you? The new SCN Profit Checker tool tells you. Powered by data collected from more than 25,000 university research plots, this tool defines that economic toll field by field, driving home the need for active SCN management. Learn more at thescncoalition.com. Welcome to the Scoop Podcast. I'm editor of the Scoop Margie Echelkamp, joined today by ARA's policy team. We have both Richard Gupton and Hunter Carpenter for the first time on a podcast together. Guys, thank you for coming on as a dynamic duo. Excited to be here. Awesome. Thanks, so, absolutely. Okay, so Richard, I'd like you to give a little bit of the first round of updates. And really, since you guys have come on the podcast Congress has maybe not done a lot, but also done a lot. And we've got a new Speaker of the House. So how does that set the chessboard for us? Yeah, well, there's been a lot of uh, chaos in Washington, D.C. and uncertainty, right, over the last multiple weeks uh, because they, uh, eight members of Congress uh, felt the need to vacate the speakership along with all, every House Democrat vacating, uh, vacating Speaker McCarthy. And I think it's the fourth time's the charm they finally found a speaker in uh, Mike Johnson, Republican Louisiana, who serves on the House Judiciary Committee. Um, so far, he seems to be off to a pretty good start as far as getting people to get most of the legislation passed as, as basic parts of the government. Um, so we'll see. It's really early in his uh, term here. Um, but so far, they seem to be having more uh, unity. Uh, for the most part, to get some of this stuff done. Uh, but there's a lot of challenges ahead, particularly related to try to fund the federal government uh, with the November 17th deadline coming uh, forward. But uh, we've supported, actually, areas supported Mike Johnson in the past. He, he has been pro-business. So um, it's, it'll be interesting to see how we uh, handle things as speaker. So you started to talk about probably the number one priority for Congress, and that's funding the government. So where do things sit right now? What should we be looking for as part of that package? Yeah, well, they've gotten again until November 17th, the uh, continued resolution funds the government till then. And, and again, that was the whole issue of, of release the um, publicly announced rationality to vacate Speaker McCarthy because he wanted to fund the government. Uh, so they're going to have challenges, uh, but uh, Speaker Johnson on the House side has tried to go through methodically and, and pass these. There's 12 separate kind of appropriation bills they're supposed to pass and not have some big omnibus and clump them all together at the end of the year where members don't really have a chance to have a say in things. They're trying to have more regular order of the process, but there's not a lot of time between now and the 17th. So they will likely have to pass another continued resolution, at least to the end of the year, early January, um, because not only have the, all the dynamics in the House going on to try to keep uh, some unity and get uh, bills passed, um, but you also have the Senate uh, controlled by the Democrats and, and Chuck Schumer is the leader there. And so they see things differently as far as the role of some of these agencies and the spending levels. So there's going to be a challenge to bridge that gap. Uh, but we are over well over 30 trillion dollars with our national debt you look at still record interest rates that the feds did not lower 
um, that pie of paying down uh, the interest on the debt continues to grow as the debt grows. So you've got to make sure those things are addressed in the long term, that they're fiscally responsible. Um, but again, there's big divides about what to do in that capacity. The EPA, uh, the EPA bill did pass, Interior Appropriations Bill, um, and there was major cuts to EPA. I think going back, they were cutting it back to the 90 levels. But the good thing is we've supported the EPA's Office of Pesticide Programs. That's a license to operate for the for pesticide registrations. And they kept the funding levels for that uh, at uh, fiscal year 2023 levels. Uh, but in that bill, you know, we talk about kind of a check, Congress, a check on the agencies. There was provisions in the House bill uh, to provide some checks on on some of the extended overreach from EPA, whether that's related to some of these pesticide related issues we've talked about well, for chlorpyrifos or adenicides, um, the electric vehicle issues, um, which we can get into later. But uh, there's some good things. A lot of it probably won't be in any final package. Um, but at least if you if you don't ask, as we say, you, you're never going to have it. So they've got a long list of things to try to rein in some of these agencies. And maybe a few of those things that are positive in the industry will be in, in a final a funding bill. Now, one provision that did not get reauthorization this last year, but is supported by ARA and the ag retail industry is CFATS. So is there a future for CFATS reauthorization as part of this government funding? Uh, we hope so. We think a attaching it to uh, some kind of um, funding bill is the most sense, makes the most sense at this point and not as a standalone. But uh, that program is the Department of Homeland Security program called the Chemical Facilities Anti-Terrorism Standards Program. It's for high-risk chemical facilities to protect those against threats of terrorists or other criminal acts. Uh, if you're seeing what's going on globally, the threat levels and, and what the, the notices sent out by DHS and the FBI uh, the threats here domestically are also a heightened increase in concerns. Um, so we need to reauthorize that program. It's, it is important. It it's provides regulatory certainty. And also, it's a good, again, it's a good program to make sure these high-risk facilities are doing what they need to do uh, to adequately protect themselves and having that um, in place. Um, so we'll see. We continue to work with a coalition of other uh, ag and non-ag groups uh, that have regulated facilities. Um, and that will continue to push Congress to make sure it's part of, of, of some kind of funding bill. Now, Hunter, I'd like to talk a little bit about as another priority for agriculture, but has had to kind of take second stage to the government funding initiatives, and that would be the pending farm bill. So where do you see things standing today with the farm bill? What What's to come? Well, as you and your listeners know by now, Margie, the previous 2018 Farm Bill did expire at the end of September. Uh, they are currently working to try and get uh, kind of a long-term extension done, hopefully to the end of next September. Um, we've already gotten sort of support from all four corners, that being the, the House and Senate Ag Committee leadership, both chair um, persons and, and ranking members. Uh, so I think that something gets done uh, here in the next couple of months, hopefully, uh, to try and give the ag community some certainty. I mean, that's what we all want. That's uh, one of the biggest commodities for the farm community is certainty or um, some semblance of, um, of being comfortable uh, with knowing what kind of payments are coming when. And, um, and it, look, it's also um, 
something that uh, that ARA has already put support behind. If uh, if Congress sees fit to uh, to pass a long term extension, we are fully supportive of that. Um, we want what's best for that community. And and right now, because of the the days left on the House calendar, that seems to be the only way uh, to to get some certainty there. Um, so so we're supportive of that. And and Chairman Thompson of the House Ag Committee said earlier this week that uh, that they're pushing for that too. So uh, I think you've got some buy-in from both sides, bicameral, bipartisan agreement there. Um, the, the big issue is obviously going to be around, um, you know, for the next farm bill, what do they do on reference prices, commodity issues? Um, there's a lot of um, a lot of price issues um, that thankfully ARA doesn't get too involved in in those discussions, but um, it is it is going to take up a lot of that oxygen in that political room. So. Excellent. So we are talking to Hunter Carpenter and Richard Gupton, both are of the policy shop at the Ag Retailers Association. We will be back with them after this message from our sponsor. For today's industry spotlight, we have Iowa State University nematologist Greg Tilka. Greg, we have a new SCN profit checker. Tell us about the data powering that tool. Well, the data, Margie, come from 25 years worth of field work, over 35,000 research plots conducted throughout Iowa and funded by the Soybean Checkoff. Now, for folks to get started, they need four pieces of information when they head to scnprofitchecker.com. What information do they need? First, they need a SCN egg count, which comes from a soil sample collected and processed. Fall is a perfect time to do that. Secondly, they need to enter the percent sand content of the field that they're interested in. Third is the pH of the field that they're interested in, and those two factors greatly affect SCN yield loss. And the final thing is something called a uh, female index on PI88788. That's a specialized number, specialized test that comes from an HG type test. Fortunately, if they don't have that, the calculator has built in a default number for each state. Excellent. And Greg, why is the SEN Coalition encouraging agronomists and retailers to use the SEN Profit Checker? Well, despite it being a major yield reducing factor, oftentimes the damage is unseen above ground. And so this takes research data, allows a farmer to enter his or her numbers for their field, and it will calculate a percent yield loss. And then by entering their yield expectation and market price, that percent yield loss will be converted to dollars per acre estimated yield loss. And hopefully that will incentivize folks to more actively manage soybean cyst nematode. Again, that tool is available at scnprofitchecker.com, and that is Iowa State University nematologist, Greg Tilka. We are back with ARA's Hunter Carpenter and Richard Gupton. Richard, I know you wanted to also provide an update on some announcements from EPA. So just in the last several days, we got news about chlorpyrifos, specifically an Eighth Circuit Court of Appeals decision. What does that mean for ag retail? Well, it's a, it's a, it's a big victory because this is the court. They, you mentioned the Eighth Circuit Court of Appeals overturning the EPA decision to effectively 
prohibit the use of, of propyrifos, um, and not using the uh, through FIFRA, the, um, but using a zero food tolerance. And when they did these cancellations, they admitted that the science shows that some of this, the product can be effectively used and safely used uh, for certain crops. And so that court um, reaffirmed that, you know, EPA is not w when they were doing these cancellations was not fo following their own science. And so it's a big win for the industry um, to make sure that these uh, uh, decisions are made based on science and the data and products can continue to be used and, and, and take the politics out of it, ideally taking the litigation out of it. But that's a, that, you know, I don't know if we'll ever be able to do that, but if they do, um, what they're supposed to do and follow the regular order of registration reviews and the, and the data and science, um, then products like chlorpyrifos should still be able to be used by the industry. I, I don't know what's going to happen in the long term because of uh, registrants, you know, have to make decisions um, based on previous EPA's decisions. So, uh, um, but it, it's a big win and uh, this will have hopefully a long lasting impact on future decisions by the agencies to not make a knee-jerk reaction, um, in our opinion, uh, on some of these NGOs, these uh, activist groups suing to take these products off the marketplace. I know they're under a lot of pressure, um, and it was due to another court decision of why they made these decisions, uh, another circuit, I think the Ninth Circuit on the West Coast uh, um, but uh, it's 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 a big win, and uh, hopefully it holds up if it's if it's appealed. And so we also have an update regarding the regulation and availability of treated seed. So can you share that? That's right. Um, again, this is from litigation. It's you know we thought we'd put this thing to bed, whereas um, NGOs had sued EPA that said a treated seed should be regulated like a pesticide. Uh, EPA currently has them as a, under their treated article exemption, where they're not as a registered pesticide. Uh, the pesticide itself is already registered, obviously, but they want to go another step and say if the treat, the seed is treated with these products, they have to register that as well. Um, it's currently not required. Um, EPA had won uh, that lawsuit previously. The, that group is suing again, but EPA has, has this announced notice of proposed rulemaking to look at how the industry handles treated seeds, you know, um, how they're disposed of, if there's spills, um, things like that are currently uh, what they're seeking comment for. Uh, that comment period has been extended until I think early January, uh, which is a positive into early next year, which is a positive step. So we're working with others. Uh, we plan to um, seek out and send out, uh, if your area members get a survey from us to try to get information as far as how those products are being handled within the industry. Um, again, there's ongoing litigation right now that ARA is involved with, with CropLife America and others. Uh, to make sure that they are not regulated as a pesticide. Um, so it, it, it could have a major impact on our industry. It's a, it's a big part of uh, the industry for to treat these seeds. Um, it's done in a safe manner, um, and it's a big part of the, the services our ag retail members provide. So speaking of services that ARA provides to the industry, one such service is the upcoming annual conference, and it really is the premier educational and networking opportunity for ag retail. We at The Scoop are really proud to be partners with you guys in the conference. 
Hunter, I know you guys just announced a new pre-conference workshop to address some really timely newsworthy effects from these regulations on ag retailers. So please share more, not only about the pre-conference workshop, but about the conference itself. Yeah, I mean, Margie, it is hard to believe. We are 19 days away. Online registration closes November 17th. So same deadline as the government for funding. Uh, so it's easy to remember. Uh, and the price will go up for on-site registration. So I, I would uh, encourage everyone listening Go to ARADC.org, click on the conference info and register. Uh, we'll be at the Hyatt Regency Grand Cypress Resort in Orlando. So thrilled about that. We'll have insightful speakers and top-notch networking and a little pre-conference um, issue briefing. So just so much to do and see in Orlando. Uh, we're playing at the Grand Cypress Golf Course. We've got um, some limited availability there. Um, and then as my granddad used to always say, you got to be there, or you'll get talked about. So uh, we welcome everybody to come on down, uh, see the expo hall uh, and everything else that we have uh, to offer at our annual conference. Um, it'll be a great time and, and great uh, opportunity to, to see your, your, your friends in the industry. All right, Richard, number one thing you look forward to every year at conference. Well, once seeing you, Margie, I know you're uh, moderating a, a, an international panel on what's going on globally, so that'll be exciting. Um, and it's, we've got great content that Hunter talked about and a lot of great networking opportunities. Uh, we appreciate the support of sponsors and exhibitors because without that, uh, without their support, the this conference could not take place. Um, and, and it is down in Orlando, so uh, people like Disney or Universal Studios, there's lots to go to do uh, when you're down there. Uh, we've been down there as a, myself uh, numerous times, either for, for industry meetings, our meetings, or, or as a family. So it's a family-friendly place to go, uh, great networking and, and programming. Um, but before we wrap up too, I would like to talk about, uh, you know, Hunter talked about the farm bill. Uh, we're a great team for ARA advocating for retailers. He does an excellent job advocating for retailers with the farm bill. But Hunter, you may want to also talk about how they can get more involved, uh, including with the take action of some key things in the farm bill um, that we need our members to really uh, speak up about. Because as uh, as I've said, another phrase is, if you're not at the table, you're on the menu. And so we don't want to be on the menu and we want to help drive policy by being at the table as an industry. Absolutely, Richard. And if folks want to get involved, they can go to ARA dc.org go to the advocacy tab and then in the drop down menu there's something called take action there you can sign up to receive updates on a number of different issues that are important to ARA and our member companies you have the ability to stay in touch with your members of congress to send uh, you know note or an email to those offices i promise you there's staff that read all those emails so it's very important uh, for us to make our voice heard and be loud um, and for you as an ARA member uh, to, to send in a message, it means so much to have uh, a constituent face on the retailer association. So um, everybody uh, that works on the Hill would much rather hear uh, from our member company representatives that have the ability to vote for them as opposed to hearing from, from me and Richard so often. Um, we've got a number of uh, pieces of legislation that we're supporting right now that we hope uh, will make it into a farm bill agreement um, at the end. 
so just because a bill doesn't pass on the House or Senate floor doesn't mean that they can't work that that good language into the final package, which is huge. So um, any support that we can get from our members uh, out in what we call real America uh, would be a huge help. Excellent. Well, Richard and Hunter, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. To all of our listeners, please consider joining us down in Orlando for the 2023 ARA Conference and Expo. You can find full details at aradc.org. And until we are back on the podcast together, I wish everybody a safe and successful season. The Scoop Podcast is brought to you by SCN Coalition. You may know SCN is lurking in your fields, but do you know how much it's costing you? The new SCN Profit Checker tool tells you. Powered by data collected from more than 25,000 university research plots, this tool defines that economic toll field by field, driving home the need for active SCN management. Learn more at thescncoalition.com.